Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this episode of the Change Management Review from the Field series, Brian Gorman interviews Judy Neal, an author on workplace spirituality and an internationally recognized scholar, speaker, and consultant on the topic of transformation. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, I'm Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review. Today's guest is Judy Neal, an author on workplace spirituality and an internationally recognized scholar, speaker, and consultant. After receiving her PhD in organizational behavior from Yale University, Judy became an internal OD consultant to Honeywell. She's had a lifelong interest in spirituality, and in 1988, Judy began teaching management at the University of New Haven. She focused her research on business leaders who have a strong commitment to their spirituality, and she began studying how they bridged the spiritual world and the material world of business. That led to her research on people she calls edge walkers. Judy has taught workplace spirituality courses at the Presidio. She was the founding director and is now retired from the Tyson Center for Faith and Spirituality in the Workplace at the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. Judy has organized numerous international conferences on workplace spirituality and has completed a two-year study on workplace spirituality for Fetzer Institute. One of Judy's deepest spiritual practices is songwriting and singing and she has produced a CD titled The Journey. Judy's the author of six books on workplace spirituality and on transformation. She's published widely in academic journals and the popular press, has spoken at conferences throughout the US as well as Canada, Mexico, Europe, and Thailand. Her clients include Fortune 50 companies as well as small entrepreneurial firms and family businesses. Most recently, Judy edited a collection of approximately 60 authors for Springer Nature's Handbook of Personal and Organizational Transformation. So Judy, welcome, and let's talk about transformation. Thank you so much, Brian. I just, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Let's begin by uh, finding out how you define transformation. Ah, yeah, that's a that's always a real good place to start. And uh, for me, I part of the definition of transformation is contrasting it with the traditional definition of change, and and using metaphors. Um, so I use water as a metaphor for change, where water can change into various states, but it can change back again. So water can be ice, water can be liquid, water can be um, a vapor and turning into steam, but it can turn back into the previous states. And I have seen organizational change programs that really follow that metaphor, where someone comes in and brings a quality program or a cultural change program or a diversity program. And so the things seem to change for a little while, but after a time, they can revert back to the previous state. Um, And so that's an awful lot of energy that goes into change that ends up not really making a difference. And transformation is uh, making a change that actually cannot go back 
to the previous state. So the, the favorite metaphor for that, and then most of my authors, it seems like, use this metaphor of the caterpillar and the butterfly, where the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, something magical happens to the imaginal cells, and the, the old dies and something new emerges in the shape of the butterfly and the butterfly rather than crawling on the ground can now fly it's a more complex system it can never revert back to being the caterpillar and once in a while we are able to see organizations and systems and individuals as well go through that transformation process where they're at a new higher level and there's just no going back from there um, I'd like to share with you, and then we can go on to another question, but I'd like to share with you my favorite definition that came out of um, all the, you know, many of the authors defined transformation. But this comes from Paul Kwasinski, and he wrote, transformation is the evolution or revolution of an operating paradigm to one that is more encompassing of realities not allowed, considered, or accounted for, or contained in the previous frame of reference. In other words, it's allowing for an expanded reality. It generally occurs when we bump up against the limitations of our current frame of reference. Things are happening that we can't explain or that we are consistently recreating events and situations that we don't like because of decisions we make. So then the only alternative at that point is to transform into something more expansive. So that's my favorite definition. Great, thank you, Judy. So 60 different authors, what mm -hmm. are some of the lenses that they brought to the exploration of transformation? Well, it was fascinating to me. I was hoping this would happen. Um, and people brought all kinds of what seemed like disparate lenses. So for instance, there's uh, the several people, uh, authors brought a science lens to looking at transformation, looking at theories from quantum physics, cellular biology, chemistry. Um, several people looked at neurobiology and the study of the brain and how the brain um, can rewire and go through transformation and neuroplasticity. So there's that science lens. Um, another sort of group of lenses I would call the contemplative lens, where people, authors, looked at transformation through mystical traditions or religious traditions and contemplative practices. Um, so you might have um, a Sufi lens or Christian or Jewish or Buddhist or indigenous lens. Um, so there's different chapters that, that take those viewpoints and yet the uh, underlying approaches seem awfully similar. Um, another lens would be um, the creative lens, where people looked at how the use of art or music or storytelling or poetry can help us to transform. Um, each of those, I call those the shortcuts to the soul. The, they bypass our analytical linear thinking and really get to the soul of the matter. And that's the space out of which we more easily transform. Um, several people also looked at, and you being one of them, my dear friend, uh, looked at the coaching approach and change management theory approaches. So uh, more of an organizational development lens um, and a transpersonal psychology lens in some cases. Uh, 
And um, I would say another whole category of lenses would be case studies, where several authors um, looked at case studies of transformation that happened like in a healthcare organization or a corporation or a university um, to look at what was actually done and what really worked in terms of creating a transformation that was sustainable. Uh, then there's um, models that many of the authors referred to, the most common being um, the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's model of hero's journey. And um, many people talked about Barrett's, Richard Barrett's levels of consciousness. And quite a number of authors referred to Ken Wilber, and particularly his idea of transcend and include as a model of evolution and transformation. So those would be some of the major lenses. Thank you. Through all of those different lenses, Judy, what were some of the common themes that emerged? Um, one of the, I think one of them, the commonest theme is probably in every single chapter is that you cannot have systemic transformation, whether that's a group or a company or more globally, you cannot have systemic transformation without personal transformation. It's just an incredibly important that the change agent or the leaders, whoever are wanting to bring about the transformation, that they do their own inner work. Um, and a very common theme about that is the importance of contemplative approaches. Um, and another important theme about that is having a guide, having a coach, having a Sherpa, if you will, um, to guide you in that transformation process. That it's just it's very difficult to do that alone. Um, I would say another theme um, that came out of the various lenses is the contrast between fear and mistrust on the one hand as real obstacles to transformation uh, and the the contrast to that is vision and possibility and passion and finding a sense of calling and so um, many of the case studies and personal stories and models really talk about the importance of knowing what it is you're up to and why you're doing what you're doing, um, having a vision of uh, something that may have never been done before, but you find that you can't not do it. It's yours to do. And even though you don't know how to do it, you've, you just feel compelled by your passion to move on. And that overrides fear um, and it overrides mistrust. And it draws people to you when you're coming from that space. So you get the resources and the, the support you need if your vision is truly one of, that's going to have a positive impact on the world. So those are a couple. Um, I would say another um, theme that wasn't quite so common, but I think is important, is that a system cannot reach a higher level of consciousness or a higher level of transformation than that of the top leader. So the top leader's level of consciousness or worldview or perspective is the limiting factor to how far an organization can transform. And so it's just, you can't have an organization transforming without dealing 
with leadership and hopefully being driven by leadership. Uh, another, I'll give you two more principles. Uh, one is the breakdown is really necessary for breakthrough. There has to be a breakdown of, um, many people wrote about the breakdown of ego or self-identity or current sense of mission and passion. That has to be broken down in order for something greater to emerge, but most particularly ego, um, particularly the kind of false, arrogant, um, I can handle all this myself type of ego and letting go of that to saying I'm committed to something greater. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I trust that the universe is going to support me in that. So getting out of one's ego and um, committing oneself to something greater, that, that kind of breakdown of the old uh, opens up the possibility for breakthrough uh, in a non-linear, non-analytical, non-strategic way that is almost miraculous when it happens, but it's actually fairly predictable that the breakdown can lead to that kind of breakthrough. And then my, my last principle that I'll share at the moment, unless you want me to dig deeper on any of this, is that the transformation is natural. It is a part of our human process, and we are, uh, individually and collectively, we are evolving. All of the authors talked about um, the importance of trusting that we're evolving, that we're capable of more than we think we can see from our history that, that there's greater potential and that there's this natural movement collectively to, towards that really um, embodying that greater potential. So I think that would, that would be it for now, unless you have other questions about that. Not at the moment. We may come back. Um, but when you and I were talking earlier, um, before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about field theory. Could you tell us what you mean by field theory, first of all, and whether you're able to identify an overarching unified field theory of transformation across personal, <laughs> organizational, and global change? Uh -huh. That is the toughest question of all. And um, when I started this project, I really felt like I did not understand much about transformation. I certainly didn't come into it as an expert. I mean, I have a background in organizational development, and I've certainly seen a lot of organizational change in the kinds of change I described where um, when there's no longer someone pushing for the change, the system reverts back to the old way. But I really wanted to understand this transformation to a higher level, a more complex and effective way of being. So I thought, well, what greater way to understand transformation than to reach out to experts all over the world and find out what they're doing and what they're thinking and what models they're using and approaches. And, and maybe in the process of editing the chapters that I invite for this handbook, that I'll begin to see that there's really one underlying theme or approach or way that, that works no matter where you, you're looking and um, no matter what level, whether you're looking at individual or team or organizational, that, that these, this model would apply anywhere. 
Uh, and I have to say that so far I've failed. And that may be just for not trying hard enough. It's like I don't feel done yet. I want to keep exploring that. Um, but the best I can do is to go back to the very first model I ever had of transformation, which was in an undergraduate management class. Um, it was taught by an engineering professor who said that there was a three-stage model to transformation, and he drew three rectangular boxes on the blackboard with an arrow from the first to the middle to the next. And in the first um, box was the word input, the next box was transformation, and the last box was output. And so he would say, you know, in a manufacturing process, you put in raw materials, and then the, something happens in the middle where it transforms into a product, and then the output is sent off to the customer. And that, that very basic model, I think, does apply to transformation, whether it's um, in a manufacturing process, or it's a human being, or it's global climate change, um, that at a very basic level, that works, that there's something that goes into the system. There's what, what in engineering they refer to the black box. There's something that happens in that transformation box. Um, it might be like the cocoon and the caterpillar. There's something that happens in there. We're not quite sure what it is. And then the output is something more complex and more useful. Uh, so um, that became kind of the template for me thinking about this. And then as I read through more of the chapters and, and tried to learn from my authors, um, especially the um, hero's journey model fits that um, kind of three stage, although the hero's journey has four um, four steps to it. But the this first step of the call or the crisis, there's something that happens that creates the impetus for changing where you are and, and the way things are being done now. And then that moves us into that transformation black box. And I think one of the key things that happens in that transformation box is a letting go. And then there's a being open to what's calling us. Those are sort of the mystical mystery things that happen inside that black box. We let go of what no longer serves us, of who we are no longer, um, of the models that don't work. And then we open ourselves to the call that is our, what gives us our sense of purpose and meaning, why we're here on the planet. The output then is we're able to serve in much greater ways and reach um, a broader, broader expanse because of this transformation than we could have otherwise if that had never happened. Uh, so that's as close right now as I've gotten to a unified field theory, and I'm afraid it's so simplistic, I feel embarrassed to share it, uh, but that's where I am. <laughs> There's more work to be done, and I'm really open to anyone who would like to work with me on this or help me understand their perspective on it. Thank you, Judy. One of the things that again, you and I have talked about in the past, but is rarely a part of a change conversation, is energy. Mm. How do you believe we can intentionally engage people's energy in transformation? And how important is it to do that? 
<laughs> it's absolutely essential. Um, and, and maybe this ties back a little bit to your question about what is a field. Um, and several of the authors who talked about quantum physics um, talk about field theory and, and uh, that there's a certain field of energy that uh, can lead to transformation. Um, I think it's that intention creates energy and vision creates energy. And so if, if a person, let's start with at the individual level, if a person has a vision or a sense of calling or a sense of purpose or some kind of gut level knowing that there's something they need to be doing in the world that's theirs to do, they have just about limitless energy themselves. They you know, go to bed late at night because they're working on it. They get up early in the morning. They dream about it. They talk to everybody they know about it. It's just like this incredible flow of energy to do something that feels essential and important to them. That energy is contagious. And people who have similar vision or sense of calling will be attracted to that energy. They'll resonate with it. Um, and in quantum physics and even in um, brain resonance, they talk about um, being able to tune to the vibration of that higher um, attractive energy that it, it draws people. I think it literally draws resources, draws ideas. Uh, it draws what you need, um, not from a strategic and linear point of view, although it's very important to do those things. There's something beyond that energetically that we're only collectively beginning to discover. It's like the shamans have always known it. Uh, the wise people in each of the religious traditions, they've always known uh, how to work with energy. Healers know how to work with energy. Um, so now business leaders are beginning to learn how to work with energy and um, to be able to do that in a conscious way for the greater good, I think is essential, especially the bigger the project you take on, the more important it is to be able to work with that intention, with that passionate, really committed energy, and as an individual to be open to energy coming through you. Um, I, you know, I would call it spiritual energy, inspired energy, that, that comes through you and you trust it and you follow it. And you never know quite where it's going to lead, but in my experience, it always leads to someplace as good as or better than you might have envisioned. Does that answer your question? It certainly does, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Judy, as always, I learn from you, learn with you when we're together. So I thank you for helping me record this podcast for Change Management Review. Oh, Brian, thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate our time together. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review from the Field Series with Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review, and Judy Neal. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.